morning. Excited this morning. That's a good thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today, and as Brandy has spoken, we have a choice. We can see the good, or we can see the bad. But we choose, Father, to trust you because you are good. And you do what you say you're going to do. And we do not have to fear. We can see things going on around us in this life, but we put our trust in you. And Lord, the scriptures that we're reading today is a prophecy 700 years before they happened about the announcement of the, the birth of a child. But they came to bring comfort to those who were in a dark place in their lives and in their own generation. So Lord, as we study the word and... and uh, study this this prophecy it's just a segment of a short verse that we're looking at today but it had enormous implications because our God is a mighty God and he is mighty to save he is El Gabor and we need to put our trust in him so Lord I just pray that there's some folks here that are filled with doubt if they look at the storms in their lives if they look at the uncertainty of what the future might hold Lord, I pray that they would turn to the one who holds the future and understand and know that God is also El Shaddai. El Shaddai. The God who is almighty and does what he says. We can trust in his promises today. We give you thanks, Lord, because you are our mighty God, and we claim. We ask, Father, that, that you would be glorified in this place today as we study this scripture in the name that you've given your son, mighty God. So, Father, we, we thank you for, for Jesus. Above all else, we thank you for, for him and what he's done for us. Lord, we ask that his name be lifted high above all other names. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Most High God. So we thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're, uh, we've been in, in a series called What Child Is This? And Nathaniel, he, he spoke and Sean started us off and Nathaniel spoke last week and Nathaniel was talking about the in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For us, to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You know, and that's a pretty good description of, of the one we, we serve and the one we worship and the one we call our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we have to understand the context of the times. Like I said, you know, Ahaz was king over Judah at the time of Isaiah's prophecy here. And if you look back in Isaiah chapter 7, we see that there was wars and rumors of wars, and their neighbors to the north were wanting to come and destroy Ahaz and his kingdom. 
And Ahaz was terrified. And Isaiah was spoken to by the Lord and said, go tell Ahaz this, you know, trust me, we got this. They're not going to overcome you. They're not going to destroy you because I said so. El Shaddai, he's mighty because his word, he's true to his word. He promises is always fulfilled. Numbers 23, 19, I love that verse, and you've heard me quote it very many times. It says, God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should promise and not act. He doesn't make promises he doesn't intend to keep. As a matter of fact, there's not one promise in this book that he hasn't kept. There's only one promise that hasn't been fulfilled yet, and that's Jesus coming back, and it's coming happening soon, I believe, because I see the signs, amen? So we better be getting ready. The last prophecy to be fulfilled before Jesus came back happened in 1948, and that's when Israel became a nation. Are you getting ready? Because you should, because this God we serve is a mighty God. Ahaz took this counsel from Isaiah, but he did not follow it. Instead, he did like a lot of us does. Instead of God being our first response, he's our last resort, amen? <laughs> really. They went to mediums and sorcerers and everything else trying to tell them things that they wanted their itching ears to hear, but they didn't trust the God that says, trust me. Trust me. So many of us are in that same boat, aren't we? We want to take matters into our own hands, and even though the truth is right here in front of us, we want to turn to other things and other counsel. But God says, trust me, trust me. You know, and we see these scripture verses, and this is God speaking through Isaiah. And he says he will be called mighty God. Well, God is mighty, no doubt about it. Everything that is and everything that will be was spoken because he said so. Genesis 1.1, remember we had that study in Genesis 1.1 on the word in the Hebrew, Bereshith. Bereshith, and we had the illustration of all the, the symbols for the Hebrew alphabet that spelled out that word, and what those symbols from that alphabet said was God was going to send his own son to die on a cross for you. Isaiah 46.10 says that, he has made known the end from the beginning, and he has. When he tells us in this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 and 6 that there's going to be a child born and a son given, we know who that is, right? And I began to look at that, and, and, I, and I thought about the history of the Israelites all throughout time and God making covenant with them here and there and yonder. You know, Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people who are called by my name would what? Humble themselves and pray to me, then I would hear from heaven above and I would forgive their sin and I would heal their land. That promise still stands for us today. He made promises with, with, with Abraham. That's where that, that term El Shaddai comes from because he made that promise that his, his descendants, even though he was 99 years old and his wife was 90 years old, that his descendants would be as many or more than the sands on the seashores and the stars in the heaven. I'll should I because I said so. He's a mighty God, and he's mighty to save. Throughout the time, God devised ways for man 
to have their sins forgiven, to be walking in righteousness with him. The blood sacrifice of animals happened every year. And when the time of, of atonement of the sins came, the blood flowed down the steps of that altar. But you know what? That was just every year because sin continued. There was no definite once and for all atonement for the sin. And you ever heard the term, I guess, if it's got to be done right, I'm going to have to do it myself? <laughs> I believe that's what God's doing right here. That mighty God came down to earth as a little baby laid in a manger, given as the once and for all atoning sacrifice for our sin. God did that for you and me. He gave himself through the birth of Jesus that we might once and for all be in right standing with God. He was that atoning sacrifice for us all. And I haven't even opened my notes yet. You know, it says that uh, in chapter 7 that, that Ahaz was in great fear because of things that were happening and the, and the warring factions that were going to be coming against him or plotting to, and he wouldn't trust in God. And, and I'm just going to go back and read the first part of chapter 9 here in Isaiah, and it says, uh, verse 2, I'm going to start there. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. We're living in the land of, of life and light. Because we don't have to walk in the shadow of death. The shadow of death is sin. I believe that. Because that sin is a shadow over our life that leads to death. Amen? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. But Jesus came as an atoning sacrifice for that sin. There's a great light on the horizon. He's coming. His name is Jesus. That's what this scripture is telling us about. So we know also that Jesus himself said what? That he was the light of the world, right? He was the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is our light. He's our deliverer. That El Shaddai that means mighty to save or mighty to deliver. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He came to deliver us from our sin. El Gabor, that mighty God, might paraphrase it as this. Jesus is the mighty God who saves his people in their greatest need. Our greatest need is a deliverance from sin in our lives. That we might be made right with God. And he did that for us. You know, and I, I keep thinking back about my own life and what he's meant to me and how I've chased other things for a lot of years, even though I knew that Jesus was the answer to any question I'd ask. You ever think of that? Your marriage is on the rocks. Jesus is the answer because he's the one, God's the one that, that created the institution of marriage, and if we don't submit to him how can we submit to one another right 
you've got a grieving heart because you've lost somebody you love. God knows that grief. He said he'd turn that grief into glory. Amen. He's El Shaddai. He's faithful. He's powerful. He's, he's, he does what he says he'll do. Even before we know to ask the question, Jesus is our answer. Amen. In any situation we find ourselves in, you need healing. I, I think I've seen and I've read in this book here, right here, where he has made lepers whole. He's made the blind to see. He's made the, 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 the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. He has given life to people who were dead. And you don't think that he's not the answer for your issues and your problems today? He is a mighty God. Amen. And he comes here to seek and save the lost. That's what he said. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I'm glad that he sought me out. And if you're here and you're searching, he's searching for you too. He's looking for you because he doesn't want you to be lost. I think it's John chapter 5 that Jesus was talking to some folks and he says, I didn't come here to do my will, but I came here to do my Father's will. And my Father's will is this, that I should lose none of all that he's given me, but instead raise him up on the last day. He came to seek and save that was what was lost. Amen? He will leave that 99, and he will go find you. How do you know? How do I know? Because I was that one. Amen? I was that one. Just as it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, when God was, rem was reminding people, he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a, what? a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Well, God, through Jesus Christ, Jesus has his arms outstretched to save us as well. His mighty hand wants to save us. That's why he came. And his arms... I get this vision when I read that, and then I think it's Jeremiah 20, or 32, 21. It says, you brought your people, Israel, out of Egypt with the signs and wonders, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. When I think about that outstretched arm, I think of it in two ways. Jesus reaching out to those who are lost because he reached out on the cross. A mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God is mighty to save today. You know, uh, this Christmas season, it's, it's all about giving gifts, isn't it? But the gift that God gave us through his son Jesus, that little baby laying in the manger, that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, that everlasting father and that perfect teacher, was the greatest and the most precious gift that's ever been given. It was the first, but it was also the greatest and the, and the most important gift that any of us can accept. No matter whether we choose to take that gift or not, the price was paid for it, right? That little baby laying in that manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, I don't know if you guys remember the, the symbology of that but 
when they were getting ready to take those pure and spotless lambs without any stain, wrinkle, or blemish, they would wrap them up tight in swaddling cloths and lay them in those, those food troughs where the, that was a manger, the manger of the food troughs. And the reason they did that, because they didn't want them to, to be jostled around and, and running around and get injured in any way, because God wanted a, a, a spotless, you know, a, 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 a lamb without any spot or blemish on it. He didn't, didn't want it bruised up. It didn't want it cut or, or banged up in any way, so they wrapped it up tight in swaddling cloth and laid it in that manger until it was time for the sacrifice. That's what the symbolic nature of that swaddling cloth, wrapped, the, the child wrapped in swaddling cloth laid in a manger is. That baby that came and humbled himself as God that humbled himself as a little baby in that manger would soon become the savior of the world. 33 short years in his life that he grew up and he had no sin in his life. And then they killed him. They killed him because God said that he was going to die for the sins of his people. And I look in chapter Luke, or Luke rather, and, and I see that, in, I think it's in chapter 1 or 2 where where they, after eight days, Jesus, was after he was born, they took him to the temple to have him you know, consecrated to the Lord and circumcised. And I think it was a lady by the name of Anna. She was there, and she prophesied over Jesus, remember? And she said, this child will be the downfall of many in Jerusalem. Then she said these prophetic words, and a sword will pierce your heart too, Mary. Now she knew what was going to happen to that child of hers, that he would give his life for the ransom of many. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus led that life that was sinless. Only Jesus could be our Savior because he was the only one who was worthy to be that, that atoning sacrifice once for all of us. Amen? Only Jesus. No other person on earth but Jesus because he was God. God gave himself to us through the birth of that child. He is a mighty God. Jesus has fulfilled everything that was written in Scripture about him. No other human being could have done that. No other human being would have wanted to do that. But since he was God, he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he understood his assignment. He knew, and he told his disciples, did he not, what was going to take place in his life, that he would be handed over and he would be crucified, but on the third day he would raise. El Shaddai, he's mighty, and he does what he says he's going to do. And we believe that he rose on that third day, and, and because of that, we have eternal life. No other, other person who claimed to be a, a, a deity can ever say that. There's no other person who claimed to be a deity that ever defeated the grave like Jesus did. No other person, Confucius, Buddha, all those other guys, they're still languishing in their graves. But Jesus... The mighty God. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says this. 
that since his chi- the, the, the children are, are flesh and blood, he too became humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who has power over death, that is, Satan, and therefore free those who have been in bondage by the fear of death their whole lives. Mighty God, Jesus Christ, defeated Satan, defeated death, and he came back, and we don't have to fear anymore. He is a mighty God. So why do we fear, Dave? Why do we fear? Life and death is laid before us every day. We choose life. We choose to be in this land of the living, amen, because God has willed it for your life. If God has given you breath today, he's not done with you yet. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen? We understand the mission. He told us before he ascended on high what that mission was. We're to go into all the nations and to make disciples. Right? We can trust him because he is a mighty God. He does what he says he's going to do, and his promises hold fast forever. You might as well consider it done because if God has spoken it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Even in our current day and age that we live in right now, you know, I, I think back on, the, on Habakkuk. You guys remember Habakkuk? There's a book in the Bible. He was a minor prophet. They call him a minor prophet. But he was lamenting to God everything that he saw going on in his time, in his world. And he was just lamenting to the Lord, oh, Lord, how long will you let this stuff going on? You know, the, the evil prevails and righteousness is hemmed in and nothing good ever happens anymore. Just, oh, Lord, help me, Lord. And the Lord responded to him and he said this. Hide all you need and saints and, and be still and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your day that you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you. <laughs> I don't know, but I believe. I believe that people are still being healed, that God's still raising people from the dead, and he's coming back soon. I believe that with all my heart because he is a mighty God. He's mighty to save, amen. He can save you from the, th- the, 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 the issues that you're in. And one day we're going to be with him in heaven because he, he spoke it. Just as he said in the Genesis chapter 1, let there be light. Let there be, he spoke this world into existence. He has spoken that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. There's no, might be, you will be God wants us to put our trust in him. And if we put our trust in him, he is mighty. He is El Shaddai. He's good for his word, and he's God Almighty. So why don't we trust him today? He loved us so much that he came, and he wanted us to remember the times in the old days and the ancient times when he delivered his people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Well, he's outstretching his arm today to us. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who brought those Israelites out of Egypt will bring you out of the circumstance that you're in, but you just got to trust him. You got to trust him. You can't let the things of this life distract you because maybe 
God has something better in store that he wants you to walk through before he gives it to you. Amen. I remember a, a lady one time coming to me and she was a struggling mom, single mom with three children. And she had prayed over this situation and she was going to do this thing and she was actually looking for an, another job, a better paying job where she could spend more time at home and be able to pay her bills. And she applied for this job, had an interview, and she felt really good, wanted, wanted me to pray about it. And I said, okay, I'm praying, I'm praying. Lord, I want your will to be done. Well, guess what? She didn't get the job. And she was devastated. And I said, are you trusting God right now? Even though you didn't get the job that you were praying for? I said, sometimes, I said, I give, you, give her this illustration. Sometimes, you know, we, we want something so badly and, and, and God's taken it away or he's not let us have it because he's got something greater in store. Well, she had applied at another job and uh, they called her and said, hey, you know what, you're kind of overqualified for this position here, but we've got another one for you. And if you're willing to accept it, it'll be a little bit more money and, and, and you'll have more flexible hours. Well, you know, of course, you know, so sometimes unanswered prayers because God's not saying no, he's just saying not yet. Amen. Sometimes God has something greater in store for us. Just like the things in this life, we might face hardship in this life. But think about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. You know, I think about that a lot because i got a whole lot more people on that side than I do on this side anymore. And I've heard people who were getting ready to go there, some of my relations, had visions before they entered into the arms of Jesus. And they told me, told us, how beautiful it was how vivid the colors were. And my one aunt, she was, I never will forget, she was on her, on her last few minutes of life, and she was there, and her daughter didn't want her to leave, and she was holding her hand, and she, her mother, my aunt, kept pulling away from her, kept pulling away from her. And finally, my cousin, she just, she was through tears. She said, Mom, I want to hold your hand. Won't, why won't you let me hold your hand? He said, oh, Lisa, Jesus is coming, and if you're holding my hand, he can't take me with you. You have to let go because what I'm seeing is beautiful, and I want you to be there. Just be there. And when she said those two words, be there, she left, she left this life and entered into the life of Jesus. So it's something you don't want to miss. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, what God has in store for those who love him. Amen. Never forget. Never forget it. No matter what you're going through right now, everything in this life here is temporary. Are you hearing me? Temporary. We put our trust in God because he's got something better in store for us. We put our trust in him because he is a mighty God and he's here to save. He didn't hold anything back for us, did he? Jesus, he didn't hold anything back for us. He laid it all on line. He gave his life that we might have life. I like to say it this way. He loved you to death and back again. You know, and as we prepare for communion, I pray that you understand and know that, that God sent him for you, for me. 
that we might be in right standing with him and through his life, his death, and his resurrection, through faith, we can be united in, 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 in Christ Jesus to God in right standing. He sets up the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for you right now. You know that? Jesus has got your back. He's always had your back because he's God. He's almighty God. He's held the boy. So as we uh, get ready for communion time, I just pray that you would just take that into consideration, what all Jesus did for you on that cross. He suffered and he died, and it wasn't an easy death. But he understood the assignment, did he not? Because in the garden he, he prayed out to God. As he was sweating great drops of blood, it said, Lord, if it's, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And they came and they beat him, mocked him, spat upon him, and he endured that scorn and that shame for our sake. And when they put him on that cross and nailed him to it and raised him up, the blood that flowed down from that cross washed away our sins. And that body that was pierced by that, those nails and by that spear, the punishment that he endured brought us peace. By by his wounds we've been healed. I don't know, that weighs heavy on my heart a lot of time because I didn't deserve him to die for me, but he did freely because he is a mighty God, mighty to save. So as we approach the time of communion, knowing these things that we know about him, his great love for us, and what he did to show us that great love. And this Christmas season is all about giving gifts, isn't it? I pray that you'd give him your heart 100%. So like I said, he didn't hold anything back for you. And if you've been holding back something from God today, trying to do something in your own strength, Maybe you're ashamed because you feel like that's a sign of weakness. In our weakness, he's made strong. Amen. He's a mighty God. So as we come for communion, I pray that if you're here, I, I pray that you don't leave this place without getting what you came for. Jesus is an almighty God. He knows your heart. He knows your need. So as we come for communion, I pray that since he gave everything for us, that we give everything to him today. That we would walk out of this place with no worries, no fear, and a clear heart and a clear conscience because God is mighty to save. Amen. He's mighty to forgive. And he is almighty God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, that you gave yourself to us.
there's Jesus, a baby laying in a manger. He lived a, a sinless life and died upon that cross, suffered the anguish and the shame and the scorn for each and every one of us that we might once and for all have forgiveness for our sins. And Lord, we, we, we can't even begin to repay. You don't take bribes. We can't buy our way into your heaven. The only way we can have eternal life is through your son, Jesus, because you loved us so much, you, you sent him to die for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That promise is eternal. It stands for each and every one of us. So Lord, as we approach this Christmas season and we prepare to send gifts to one another, Lord, I pray the biggest gift that we can give is we give you our hearts. We give you our trouble. We give you our shame. We give you our pain. We give you our doubts. We give you our discouragement. And Father, you take all those things and you you've laid them at the feet of your son Jesus. And he's wiped them all away. So Lord, I I, I pray like I said, if there's anyone here that that has those issues.